Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives. I am Kevin Garcia. I am the curator of this here space, and I am super glad that you're back. Welcome back, friends. I guess, or, or welcome back to me. Uh, welcome back to this space. Uh, because I've been on a little bit of a hiatus, a little breaky break time, recharging, recentering, figuring out what the hell I want to do creatively. And I just want to say a huge shout out to my friends at the Crowded Table um, for being my, the, the amazing support system that they are in, in the times where I'm trying to figure out like where the spirit is going to lead me in the work that we want to do together in the world. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's been really cool. I've really loved what I've been doing. Um, what I've been doing the past few months um, is getting ready, is wrapping up my first cohort uh, of people that I worked in a group coaching setting. And then uh, now I'm working on launching my new uh, cohort happening March 13th is the spring 22 cohort, baby. The long and short of it, it's a 90 day journey with other people who are probably in a similar spiritual place to you post-evangelical, maybe post-Christian, maybe post-religion altogether. Maybe you're a little woo-woo. Maybe you don't know what to believe. Maybe you felt something in those spaces and you want to know how to reconnect with that sense of God. If any of that sounds interesting or like it's up your alley, go to thekevingarcia.com slash cohort. Check it out. Applications are out and going. Um, registration ends March 11th and I would love to see you in there. The other thing I'm excited about is that the online community that I reference all the time, the crowded table is now no, is on a new platform. We moved from Patreon to this thing called Mighty Networks, and it's just a better way for us to organize content and uh, the, uh, there's better ways to meet up, there's ways to create events, there's ways to actually connect more deeply in addition to our already dope ass Discord channel. So like, if you are somebody out there in deconstruction land and you are searching for people, this is a great place to start. You can go to thecrowdedtable.mn.co uh, to join today. You can join for free. Check it out. See if it's your zhuzh. Um, cancel before if you don't want to do it. No big deal. No harm, no foul. And you can join for as low as seven bucks a month. So, honey, if you like this show and you want to like just support the show, this is the way to do it. Everyone's asking, how can I help? How can I help support the show? Throw your girl some money. And this is one way to do it. Again, that's thecrowdedtable.mn.co. That's it. Now, I want to talk to you about today's guest. The first one of the new series of being back, 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 back again. Um, it's a, uh, it's my new internet friend, Cole Arthur Riley, the author of This Here Flesh, an incredible new book that just dropped yesterday. I've been eating it up all day. Um, let me tell you about Cole. Cole Arthur Riley is more than most things a writer. Born and for the most part raised in Pittsburgh, Cole studied writing at the University of Pittsburgh, but traces her love of words back to the voice of her father, who would bribe her and her siblings to write poems and stories to get out of chores, or just for cardhold cash. Cart hard, cold hard cash. I don't think I pronounced that correctly. Dyslexia, it's fine. Um, she is currently the spiritual teacher in residence with Cornell University's Office of Spirituality and Meaning Making. She is also the creator of Black Liturgies, a space for Black spiritual words and liberation, lament, rage, and rest, and a project of the Center for Dignity and Contemplation, where she serves as the executive curator. You know, Light Flex out here, and her debut book, This Here Flesh, is out as of 
Tuesday, the 22nd on two, 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 two. Truly, what a magical day to release a book. You know what I'm saying? Um, I have followed um, Cole's work for a minute. I've been a fan and supporter on Patreon of Black Liturgies. And if you're interested in that, you should definitely go check that out. Um, in the podcast, we talk about how Black Liturgies came about, how it was born out of a, a necessity because in liturgical spaces, which are mainly white, there was not room for someone like Cole. And so um, we also talk about practice too, which was really amazing. She's, I asked like, what's your practice? She said 45 minutes of silence starting out. And I'm just like, yes, bitch, you better get enlightened. Um, not that meditation necessarily gets you to enlightenment, but I just, as somebody who is an avid meditator myself, I just like, you know, I almost said something really inappropriate and I'm glad I stopped. Anyways, this conversation is a delight. I think that you're going to enjoy it. So please get yourself something to drink, come settle in, and I will see you uh, in a little bit. This is my conversation with Cole Arthur Riley. these things i just i go for the juice and i'm also just glad that i just you know i get to spend time with you and get to know you as a human so thanks for coming to hang out i'm glad to be here thanks for having me yeah so uh this is the question i ask all humans when they get here is how do you introduce yourself to people right now um i say i'm cole i'm a writer usually leave it at that um, because because like because everyone's like oh you're a writer what do you what do you write what do you write about and that's where it's like oh no I know yeah it always comes what who what, who do you write for what do you write I'm trying to really live into that part of myself I, I it's hard to own that part of yourself to own the title writer it feels like it's something that someone else mm. has to give to you but really it's not it's the opposite you just have to start calling yourself it and i can never really explain what i write without making it sound very trite and like cringy i think can i like i think it's only cringy like to our egos also apparently my forehead is bleeding so i'm just gonna wipe that off um i i think it's like cringy to our ego because like we know like in some ways we're judging ourselves because we have judged other people who have done similar things mm-hmm. and we have found them wanting or invalid. And so in the same ways we're looking at ourselves and we're seeing ourselves as like, well, what if they see the ways that I'm lacking as a writer yes. or as a creative or as a whatever? It's true. Mm. What is, uh, where do you live in the world? I live in Ithaca, New York. So upstate close to Cornell people, Mm-hmm. There's a lot of waterfalls here, but other than that, it's a pretty small, it's a pretty quiet town. 
Where are you? Little town. It's a quiet village. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I have a, a house here in Decatur with my little dog. Um, co-own this house with my mama. Um, and when I get my monies right, I'm going to buy it outright and I will own a house. I love that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, shout out to my mom for having good credit and letting me get on the loan with her because <laughs> uh, I'm just like, girl, let me tell you what, because like our family was like middle class to poor, poor white slash Mexican. And so okay. like the fact that my mom is building has been able to build any wealth is phenomenal yeah, to me. Yeah, major. So shout out to to moms. Anyways, I'm not, I want to talk about me. I want to talk about you. We could talk about um, you too. Want, well, event, I mean, I talk about myself all the time, you know, it's like half the thing about being an internet person. I was like, I just like talking. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so I know you <clears throat> as the human who creates what's known on the internet as black, the black liturgies mm-hmm. and writing prayers and liturgies for black folk and the ways that religion kind of just like doesn't account for the pain and the suffering that is very specific to black and brown folks. So let's start with when did it start? Mm -hmm. Why did it start? Yeah. When and why? It started um, the really the beginning of July of 2020. So when everything Mm. was happening and the height, yes, the, entire world was ready to contend at least for a little while with black with with the death of black people the murder of black people um Mm -hmm. at the hands of white people and i i had been in i wasn't raised in a christian home or like a Mm -hmm. overtly religious home but i had been in liturgical christian spaces and being formed in them for you know i have been for the past seven years now Mm -hmm. um and I was just tired. I tell people when I'm most honest, Black liturgies, it really came because I was angry. It was born out of rage. I was just Mm -hmm. so angry at these spaces I was encountering that just weren't making adequate or or they weren't making meaningful space for Black grief or Black rage or just Mm -hmm. the nuance of Black people and the nuance of the Black emotional experience and everything I mean, even the most well-intentioned white woman. I mean, I remember the Sunday after um, Ahmaud Arbery was hunted down. You know, when we said the prayers of the people in the church service that day, it was, I knew it was a a prayer of the people for white people. It was grounded in white guilt. It was grounded Mm. in, in white shock. She couldn't believe it. And I'm like, here I am reciting these things when I know I, I know, <laughs> you know, I don't need mm-hmm. to be told. And I also don't want to confess because really I feel like I deserve an apology, you know? And mm-hmm. so I was entering these weird places, these complicated places in the like liturgical setting where I'm like, this just doesn't, this doesn't fit right now. Um, and so I started black liturgies hoping that I could just find some other contemplative minded, you know, Mm-hmm. people who were interested in that black contemplative minded people who were interested in that and here we are here we are a whole thousands of followers later a whole patreon later and now a whole book coming out soon later too which is like yes, ah! yes i can't believe it i mean this is one thing i will say that i kind of love about being i mean there's so many reasons to hate being alive 
And uh, the thing I kind of love is that I grew up in an era and I had the opportunity to have the internet because that is how I found my people initially. And that's still how I find people who I'm starting. I still keep meeting all my new best friends all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you find that as you were, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say it's true. Like for all the shit social media gets rightfully so like I, I I'll never, I'll never completely reject it. I'll never completely chastise it because there's just something like what would it's saving lives. You know, it is, Mm -hmm. it's, it's problematic in many ways, but to be able to, I mean, I'm in Ithaca, New York. When I see another black person at the farmer's market, I want to cry. You know, we look at at each other and we're just like the space between, you know, like you're here. The space between. It's just like, it's like the lights get low. We both see each other and it's just like, are we going to say hello? Yes, everything slows down. So it's just like it's it's yeah. It, social media has opened up ways for queer people, for people in white dominated spaces that I think, yeah, we needed in order to survive. So I'll never completely mm-hmm. chastise it. <clears throat> I mean, I think we can chastise it, and also, it's like you're allowed to love your problematic fave if you can like look at the problems too. Not all the time, like Taylor Swift. That's a, that's someone I'll give people a pass for. Like you know, she can be your problematic fave. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I'll admit I I haven't listened to anything since 1985 so I really just can't even judge her content I just she stopped do- after 1989 it just stopped doing it for me you know I really could name three Taylor Swift songs period people I mean, people are gonna come for us I don't know how I've avoided come for us it. and cancel us because this is <laughs> we don't we do not stand we don't stand her in this we, house I mean like yeah. I think she's great for yeah. what she's doing she seems lovely yeah. I just I just don't click play, you know? I just don't find myself yeah. going. Anyway. What do you click play on? What music what are you listening to right now that gets you like that makes you feel really good? Um Alicia Keys' new album has been on repeat. Hello. Um, old memories. Oh um, I, I just think she has the most beautiful voice. But I've been listening to this is going to make me seem more sophisticated than I am. I've been listening to like a lot of instrumental music just because I've been writing so much. And I mm-hmm. feel like when I put instrument, like, like just piano music in the background, I feel like this weight, this like gravity that, and, and mm. I kind of like step into a different self. I take myself more seriously, honestly, yeah. um, without the words. And it's just kind of like this, Anyways, so I've been listening to a lot of piano music instrumentals. That's Philip, cool. Philip Glass, he's an excellent composer. Mm. Hopefully he's if, hopefully he's not problematic. I've literally never googled him. <laughs> I don't think so. It's like I mean, I'm sure all like if you're if you're like a white contemporary composer, if you I'm sure. Like I mean, I I grew up in music world. Like I was a a choral singer for a good a good hot minute and so it's just like yeah, it's primarily a white space, but mm-hmm. I do like Philip Glass's work. I've never mm-hmm. he hasn't done anything publicly problematic. So. <laughs> Not yeah. that I know of. Um, can I ask about your creative like your creative process? Because like you were saying, like because for me, when I at least when I'm writing stuff, I I feel like that is when I'm the most me. It's not even like a different self. It's like mm-hmm. I find a way to like drop into 
my own presence mm-hmm. and get really still to see what comes up. Um, but what about you? Like you were saying, like I listen to this music, it feels like I step into a different space. Mm-hmm. What's that like for you? Yeah. Um, I, I do. I, um, I think I'm, I, I don't think this is introversion necessarily, but I am introverted. And so when I'm with other people, I find myself either melding to them or really kind of shrinking inward um a lot of trauma responses when I'm alone and I'm writing I have to tap into a kind of confidence a kind of I think it's a sacred arrogance you know that writers have to have to believe that what you're putting like that it's worth reading you know it's such a vulnerable act it requires kind of a sacred arrogance and I have to enter into it in a way that I don't I, I, I don't always feel like I have access to in the other parts of my life, you know, but you're right when I'm in that creative mm. moment, when I'm tapping into that um, kind of truer self, it come it can come out, you know, I can summon it. Yeah. yeah. I sacred arrogance. That's so good because it really like you need to like, you kind of need to like what you're mm-hmm. writing. Like, I think, I've never been the kind of person who is like writing is a torturous act or I hate writing or same. I've never felt that even when like I wrote my first book, like it was so much fun to just see how these ideas began to string themselves together as you're putting it out there. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I'm not the tortured artist. That's never Mm -hmm. been my MO. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I I feel like I'm I have more energy in my body, more energy in me when I'm writing than I mean I do I I stay in bed and it is a pretty solitary thing, I guess in the physical mentally I'm in the presence mm-hmm. of others, but um mm-hmm. I just feel so much energy like I I write the the book that that I've written I wrote in definitely less than three months like I would write a chapter in a day mm-hmm. and I just couldn't stop and then I would you know and so not all of us are tortured some of us are healed by it yeah and i think that really it's good medicine Mm -hmm. so let's let's i'm gonna pull on that thread now like what it what the fuck is your what what the fuck's your book about yeah tell me um i'm so i saw the i saw the the lungs on the cover and i was like it's it's hot it's so hot (laughs) i'm glad yeah so i wrote this book you know, I thought it was it, going. What's that? What are you entitling it? Um, this here flesh, spirituality, liberation, and the stories that make us. Um, and this here flesh, it's a a very subtle nod to a moment in a Toni Morrison novel, Beloved. This the clearing, this famous scene of the clearing and the matriarch of the family. After this embodied exercise, you should read Beloved if you haven't. After this embodied intergenerational moment of weeping and mm-hmm. dancing and laughing baby Suggs gives this famous sermon in in beloved and, and she says in this here in this here place we flesh flesh that weeps laughs flesh that dances on bare feet and grass love it and she gives this it says um i'm paraphrasing don't come for me mm-hmm. morrison stance but she says um she didn't tell them to she she didn't tell them to go and sin no more and I and I I love that Morrison wrote that. It was like a different kind of gospel message. It was about the body. It had nothing to do with like you know sin and being absolved, you know, and everything to do with this intergenerational, emotional, embodied 
exercise and then this declaration of loving the physical self you know it's just like it's so beautiful so it's the the title is a very subtle nod to that and i think when i wrote this book i'm like that's the kind of spirituality i want like i want to take people to the clearing i want to experience that kind of spirituality Mm -hmm. the kind of spirituality that is for like it's just like it's almost like you if you were if you realize that you are redeemed by your own incarnation. Like, it's like, yeah, like this world is apparently not perfect, but like, what if, what if this physical world is perfect? And we just our thoughts about it. What if it's exactly what it needs to be? What if your, what if your body is exactly what it needs to be right now? Because mm. apparently it is exactly what it needs to be right now. Cause here it is being exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Cause if it, if it wasn't enough, I suppose it wouldn't be working, would it? Mm-hmm. But that that feeling of no more like you have an air about you of just like you're like you feel calm. Thank I don't you. know if like it it feels nice to talk to you because I think like you really is like oh like you get it a little bit like you get that this whole thing is not so much just like yes like we need to show up and we need to go protest and we need to like change the system etc. And I think what your work also nods to and what you feel like you're alluding to here is that we really need to take care of this too, this mm-hmm. body, these bodies, yeah. because if we don't, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, 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 I do think I'm kind of naturally calm. There was a season of life when I w- was just like, it was four, three to four years max in college where I stepped into this very kind of witty, um, I was playing pretend <laughs> um, and I had to leave myself so much. And I realized like, mm. no, you're just a chill person and that's fine. You know, if people are energetic, you need that. But I, I, I feel more grounded in myself, you know, you hear people say this all the time like the older you get Mm -hmm. the more grounded in yourself you are i'm 31 Mm -hmm. so i still have a way to go i'm 32 but i can tell you there's a shift from your 20s to your 30s that's the Mm -hmm. damn truth yeah we're just like i'm it's i think you reach this point where you're like i'm just so exhausted of pretending i'm I'm so i'm so exhausted of self-hatred i want to just like i just need to try something else for a little bit you know (laughs) when hopefully it sticks Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i think that's like the whole at least that's what happened like in my 30s it's just like i was like i i'm not going to like um compromise when it comes to loving my body and myself and and I, th- I think it really like I realized it was it was I was able to finally take account of everything that happened to me mm-hmm. um, for better or for worse. And, uh, you know, Mary Oliver stands out there talking about the soft animal of your body and the wild geese. But like she says, like, you just have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And when I heard that line, I just like, oh, my body is such a fragile thing like it's just it just loves what it loves and it's like it's not it's not his fault he just he's just been trying to figure out how to remain in love and it's been he's been lied to a lot Mm -hmm. you've been and that kind of like sweetness and grace to just calmly redirect myself back towards love towards myself like 
it's really been the, the game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been your spiritual practices that you've been keeping as of late that, or do you keep any spiritual practices right now? I do. Um, they're, 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 so, they're, I don't know if they're strange or not. I, I won't give a, pers- mm-hmm. I won't give a disclaimer, but in the mornings I begin with silence just because as I mentioned, I'm easily swayed in the presence of others or not swayed, but I easily acquiesce. And it's, it's just really good for me to be be in silence and just attune with myself and my own Mm -hmm. interior life. Um, I started doing it during an Advent season and then I just kept doing it. So I do that for about 45 minutes to an hour. Dang. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Can I just tell you, like, I'm an advocate for people doing five minutes a day. So when I hear people, it's like, yeah, I do about for about 45 minutes. I'm just like, <laughs> it's no, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it's evident. Thank you. I I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's privilege. hundred percent. It's privilege. I think there's just sure. no, no way that most people can do it. I'm like, oh, I'm so, I'm really lucky to be able to have silent, the rest of silence in my life. And then mm-hmm. we do this really strange practice monthly that people always make fun of us for, but we practice darkness in our household and one Sunday out of the month, um, we don't use artificial light and it really is a, I think a beautiful practice of, you know, engaging the divine dark, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the beauty of darkness and kind of reclaiming that and things things are beautiful in the dark, you know, light is beautiful in the dark, you know, a single candle makes the room look so much more beautiful than me flicking on, you know, an artificial light. And, Mm -hmm. you know, without taking us too far down a deep end, I've, I've thought a lot. This is where we live. We live in the deep end. Go there. I, I, I think a lot, I think a lot, and I'm not the first to think a lot about how things like artificial light and just control, control shapes us as technology grows and we have so much control and and what does it mean that you know when i can't see when it's dark i have the control to just rip myself out of the discomfort of darkness or the disorientation mm-hmm. like how is that forming me and the, i hope people watch like listening are experiencing know that this is kind of metaphoric of course there's something wrong course. with artificial light but i think there's something really beautiful about the, the metaphor of being people who are capable of remaining in the darkness and the unknown and the mystery and who aren't so quick to just rush with rush to the quick resolution of a of an answer of an of, of enlightenment so to speak or of making a situation less comfortable taking someone out of grief ripping someone out of the pain of darkness so anyways it's we do that once a month and we it's always hard it's always harder than we think it's going to be but it's always special what's can i ask what feels hard about it it's really it's there's an inconvenience to it you know to lighting a candle like you go to the bathroom you can't just go to the bathroom you have to account you have to account and you it requires this attention to objects in the room and the, bo- the work that, you know, the people who live with me, the work that our bodies do and the ways we um, control the space that we occupy and moving a chair. And it's like, n- that means something different when other people mm-hmm. don't have access to the information. So you have to be aware of your body, you have to be aware of the control you exert over a like shared space. Um, 
Yeah. Hmm. That's fascinating and beautiful. And uh, I feel like I want to borrow that practice because. Do it. I like, seriously, like that sounds like one of the most delicious things is also just like, I know that I sure as hell don't disconnect from the internet enough because mm-hmm. I think I will be able, like once, once March gets here and I'm done with like, I'm, I'm on the phone with like four to five people a day, like interviewing people for my cohort and like who like, which is great. And I'm glad to do it. But man, like I'm glad I'm going to be glad when this little two weeks is over. Cause I yes. am just, I have like, there's like a, like, honestly, the, the, it, I have not been off my phone for more than 24 hours in the past, since I've come out. You know, I, I haven't really taken space away from the internet. Um, wow. Mostly because, like, it's where I pay my bill. It's how I pay my bills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, there's this part of me that's just like, if you don't feed the beast, you don't eat. Mm-hmm. And... In some ways that is true, but other ways it's quite untrue. Mm-hmm. It's um, my hope is this year that I am going to be able to take maybe even like in my wildest imagination, I would like to take a whole month off and mm-hmm. completely be off the internet. Yeah. I want <sighs> just, I want that for you. Just I, you. I want that for you. You deserve that. Honestly, it's not it's not fair that you're. Hmm. It, it just doesn't seem. It's not fair that you have to remain in a space so that you can get a paycheck. Even like, I know that's the world we live mm. in, but I just think like when you said yeah. that, like my stomach dropped because I'm like, it's not fair because you're expect you give so much of yourself. It's not a normal. It's not a normal job. Mm. So you've given so much of yourself, and you're expected to do it. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Anyways, I want that for you. Yeah. Maybe visit like a like retreat center or something and like I would love because like there's some places in Georgia even that are just like I have like silent retreat places you can go to Mm -hmm. so it's there my hope is as I hopefully set up all my finances for the coming year I'll be able to to do that Mm -hmm. because as you're saying that I'm just like oh my gosh like I think you might be right like this is actually something that's a lot more it needs to be more important to me because mm-hmm. like, I don't know, especially like, you know, I'm sure you understand it. Cause if you're a person of any sort of presence on the internet, if it's like the thing I want to do here on this plane is like, I want to help people feel happy again. And yeah. in order to do that, like I really need to be able to take, I have to take care of myself if I want to continue to, to do the thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> And you need people who are going to take care of you with you, mm. you know, as opposed to like, I, not all social media communities are like this. Some can be mutual, but I feel like mm. for people like you, it's, it's, it can be one sided has a negative connotation. I don't mean it to be, that's mm. just the nature of it, but no. it's like, you need people who are f- coming for you, you mm. know, who are trying to. Yeah. So I want community yeah. care for you. I want self-care for you. What practices do you have that make you feel renewed? Mm. I 
keep a daily meditation practice um, and some kind of movement. It'll either be yoga or I'll go on a walk or I'll go to the gym and lift weights and get on the bike and shit. And that's, that's mostly every day. So like, I feel like along with like doing all the work, I still, I, I do a lot of like care work. So I don't feel overly burned in or burned out. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do feel the burnout, it's very obvious and I, I, I move stuff around. I'm also never afraid to take a nap or cancel something in the middle of the day because I'm tired. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to fall asleep in the middle of our call. We have to reschedule. <laughs> Love that. Um, I need that. And I also, I tell people too, like, if you have to cancel for it, literally, unless it's like we have to present something and like we're, like there's somebody counting on us, cancel with me. Reschedule as many times as you need to. Like. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I know that I've had weeks where it's just, like, shit hits the fan. Everything falls behind and everything falls off. Because I just got to uh, – I have to rest. So, mm-hmm. answer question. Meditation, some form of movement, um, and resting, I think, is a, a big part of it. I try to nap every day for at least 30 minutes if I can. Love that. Even if it's like I, I sit and just like close my eyes or I actually lay down or I stare out the window or I just be quiet for 30 minutes. Um, so like it's whatever shape it takes. But I I, uh, I don't like I think the coolest thing about it is I really don't feel guilty about rest anymore. Um, and in fact, like I'm constant, I'm dreaming of ways to enter into more of it. Mm-hmm. Good. Like. Uh, I'm a big fan of um, Miss Trisha, our Nat Bishop of the Nat Ministry. Oh, me too. She's like uh, prophetess. I'm I'm obsessed with her. I quote her in my book multiple times. Uh, She's amazing. And I'm just like, and I don't I like. I was like, I so want. The, she lives in Atlanta or around the Atlanta area, and I'm like, I don't want to bug you, but like, I'd love to make you dinner sometime if you want to hang out. I've got a, got a back porch, but I'm just yes. like, she's so maybe she'll say yes. Maybe I should say, say something. Yeah. Hey, Trish, if you're Trish, if you're listening, um, <laughs> honestly, if I live in Atlanta, I would have, have you gone uh, to any of her nap experiences? I've not been able to, because a lot of it was happening. Like she was at my seminary, uh, a semester before I started. Okay. And so I was like this close to intersecting. Um, we did have like a little like uh, DM chat one time. So like we know, I think maybe we know of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just, I think like I've learned and I, this is something I kind of, uh, I will hang my hat on. It's just like the best theologies the best writing about life the best practicums i have learned has come from uh women people of color um who it's it's like i don't have to doubt the validity of their experiences because it's just like i know that my suffering is nowhere is very very different from the suffering therein but like I'm, I'm reading Christina Cleveland right now for her new book. Um, yes, so God is a black woman. Oh, and I, I tell you what, like what I'm, and I also, I said the same thing about I'm still here. 
is that you know they're like you know it's, it's the old, the Martin Luther King quote of they're the most under protected appreciated mm-hmm. etc is the black woman and to be able to see resilience in the face of systematic suffering has shown me I'm just like wow I have I don't know it it gives me strength to show like to show me that just like I know you think that you've been like yes Kevin you have been through hard stuff and also you're not alone in this you've never been alone that's what mm-hmm. like I think I hear more than anything in these writings mm-hmm. from these amazing teachers. Yeah, definitely. So good. Mm-hmm. Christina Cleveland's book. I've been saying this. I, my book would be 10 times better if I had her book. If I'd read her book before I re- wrote mine. So I keep telling people, yeah, you could probably just skip certain sections of my book and just, no, just, just um, no, but we're all on a journey. And the, the beautiful thing about that book is like, you're on this, Christina Cleveland's book, you're on this mm-hmm. pilgrimage with her. You know, you're traveling to these mm-hmm. different Black Madonnas with her. And it makes me want to do this embodied experience. I'm like, take me. All I'll- I want to do is go on a long walk. Yes. That's all I'm just like, I, ha- I have to go. Mm-hmm. Like something is calling me. I need to I need to get out there. Yes. I want to see all of these Black Madonnas. I mean, yeah. Beautiful. I want that for you. I think... Thank maybe you. got maybe you got a pilgrimage ahead of you too. Yes, shit. we started GoFundMe for like you know a dozen black women to go on a pilgrimage to these black Madonna. I'm sure Christina Cleveland actually probably has something. If planned. not, we should figure something. Like, I'll, um, I'm very excited. I get to. T- I'm going to be talking to her next week for the podcast. Yes, and so I will. I'll say, hey, we've got an idea. Take it or leave it. <laughs> You already have um, one sign up. You have one registrant. <laughs> yes. I, uh, she's ready. She's ready to go. Mm-hmm. I, I really do dream like, um, I think for queer folks, I mean, at least for like, this is my dream. Like I, my big dream is to be able to create spaces and places. Like I want to create more retreats for folks whose faith has like exploded and they're trying to figure out what they want to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, create queer retreats and like queer clergy retreats and just all of these spaces because it's like I I have always benefited from I don't know the curation of a good space mm-hmm. and being able to to heal alongside other people mm-hmm. that's just and I want us. I want us to be able to go travel too. Like, there's so many of us because we're so fucking broke as millennials. It's like mm-hmm. the only time I got to travel was in college, and that's because like my choir went on tour. Yeah. And I still had my dad's credit card, so like that's the. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's the thing. It's just like I got. I left. I left college, and I was done. <laughs> I got a rude awakening. It was the best thing that could have happened to me. I'm very grateful, mm. in some ways. Although, like God, the debt. It's hard. Yeah, I know. And to have retreat spaces where you you're you're finally free, you know, like I think you've probably been on them as well. These retreats, and it's like they bet they beg you to go to these places in yourself, and then you real you look around, you realize this isn't safe, and I've gone to this place, 
and mm -hmm. I'm surrounded by people who can't care for me and hate me or hate my body or hate my queerness or whatever. And then mm -hmm. it's like so many, I, I just feel like that's a beautiful idea because so many retreat spaces that I've been in have could have been so rich and beautiful, but in the end were dampened by the fact that I couldn't actually share with anyone what was actually stirring in me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I haven't, I, I don't really go on retreats. I haven't gone on retreats in ages. I'm like, huh, what would it be like to go on one in a truly spiritually liberative, you know, mm -hmm. you don't need to think anything. We're not asking you to believe anything, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Nice. <sighs> Deal. Then let's do that. Let's yeah. figure out. Like, I... Like, because, like, of course, like, my brain, like, I don't know if you're the kind of person who, like, I fantasize about things I want to do all the time. So I'll create an entire mood, mood board budget, the whole nine of what I would need to do to pull off something like this. And I love the idea of like, I, of fun being deeply connected to it. So wherever we go, there needs to be a pool and a hot tub. Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck. Like, because yes, we can sit around and feel the feelings. And also it would be really nice to just like, get you know be together and be giddy and stupid yeah to, to just be silly for once to be as silly as we are mm -hmm. yeah it's mm. true i need more of that i need more of that in my life and like the the playfulness you know i need other yeah. people to bring that that out in me instead of these spaces that are just completely emotionally taxing and you know? Yeah, it's like not every retreat needs to be, okay, we're going to go to the deepest part of ourselves and we're going to confront <laughs> the shadow. I mean, great. If you need that, like I I need equal parts heavy and light. Mm -hmm. I need to, I want to talk about some shit. I want to cry a little bit, but most of the, most of the time I want to take a shot of tequila with somebody and then go for a walk. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I just, that's what I want. I have a question now too, kind of like pivoting from that. Um, cause we talked about at the beginning how you were encountering in these incredibly white religious spaces, nowhere for your experience to be taken into account and honored as a black woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so you created this new thing. I'm wondering, and this is a question I ask a lot of people, if there was such a thing as an ideal spiritual community, you know, what would that look like for you? Like what would like a typical... Hmm. What would that like? What would be good for you? This is a good imagination exercise. I think first and foremost, I it would need to, it would need to be a space where my belonging didn't depend on what I believe, what doctrine I believe, what creed I've confessed, all of that stuff. I think bingo, I, bingo, I personally bingo. am just pretty done with spiritual spaces that demand that in order to achieve some kind of sense of belonging. Not all belonging is good belonging, by the way. And so I, I'm just Ding very, dong. very suspicious of those spiritual spaces. And I think ideally it would be a space where there's a lot of curiosity, a lot of, you know, wondering, a lot of people changing their minds. You know, someone asked me in an interview the other day, you know, well, are you Christian? And I'm like, don't ask. I don't know. <laughs> you know like, ask me Wednesday and I'll probably say yes. But if you ask me Thursday, I'll probably say I don't know. And like, I I want room, I, I want spiritual spaces that allow people to have multitudes in them, to, to have complexity, to have maybes and, and mystery and, um, yeah, more questions than answers, really. 
and play. I need that. I I want a mo- I want an emotional experience, an embodied experience, and I want that to contain, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to to integrate joy and lament and 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 rage and stories. You know, I'm asking mm-hmm. for it all. Really, I'm asking. <laughs> I think you should. I absolutely think you should ask for exactly what you want because like that's like where I am too. Like for, I am a part of a lovely community in Atlanta called Park Avenue Baptist. It is not perfect. There's a thousand things that frustrate me about it. And it is one of like the coolest spaces ever because like where in the world are you going to find a mostly queer worship band, a mostly queer preaching pulpit mm-hmm. with black people and trans people and disabled folks and homeless folks, excuse me, houseless folks, all in one space. Mm-hmm. And with the whole purpose of we want to know that, let you know that you're welcome to be here and to be a part of this if you'd like to be. That's so rare. Mm-hmm. And it's it so is. beautiful. So I really, I look at my community and I'm just like, I really... It, it it ticks a lot of the boxes. They really don't give a shit what you believe or don't believe. They know what I believe. They know that I'm like a woo-woo tarot card reading witchy ass bitch who like cusses and is non-monogamous and like talks about my sex on the internet too much. Like they let me preach. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's again, it's, it's, it's not perfect, but man, like where it counts, it's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't need, pe- like, I've never been in places that, like, apologized when, mm-hmm. when people dropped the ball. Yeah. And we do. Um, the thing that would make it even better, and I just, like, I imagine, is, like, I am very much somebody who I want to take, like, if we're going to be Christian, whatever that means, <laughs> my <laughs> my eyes are going to get stuck back here when I roll them so hard one day. Cause I'm the same thing as you. I don't care if people, I don't care. I don't care to identify myself as a Christian and I don't care if people identify me that way either. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know what it means mm-hmm. personally. And it, it just means so many different things to different people. So it's like, sometimes it's like, it depends who's asking, you know, <laughs> like to you, probably not, you know? So it's a complicated, yeah, it's a complicated yeah. question. I'm in a place where I'm like, my, I, I try to be honest. I try to be transparent to always say I've, I've been formed recently in a Christian mm-hmm. tradition and try to be transparent about that. And yeah. I, and while also making it clear that like, I just want to, if there's anything I'm trying to preserve, it's my connection with the spiritual. I want to mm-hmm. be a person who asks the questions of what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be loved? You know, um, what am I, I, I want to be connected to the spiritual. I have less allegiance to waking up every day and believing that Jesus was divine, you know, because I just, yeah. I, I'm not always going to be able to muster that. So I know that my spirituality for me can't just rely on what kind of belief I'm mustering any given day. Ooh. Come on, pastor. That's it. Mm-hmm. I want to frame that quote. <laughs> my my faith can't have anything to do with anything about a belief on any given day. Because mm-hmm. like, that's that's the thing too, is like, I can claim to believe something, but like, 
it, it's the feeling that I want out of everything is just like, at least for me, like I just want to feel peace. Mm-hmm. I just want to like, at the end of the day, if I get nothing else from a spiritual practice, that's what I really want. Cause when I'm there, I'm, I'm home. And when I'm home, I can do anything else I need to do. Mm-hmm. I think that too much of a, I, th- I think because a lot of Christianity and Christian practice doesn't make room for grief and lament and for protest and for uh, issue, for taking mm-hmm. issue with the thing, um, we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to yeah. grieve. We don't know how to identify even the pain that we're experiencing in our bodies because we're so up here the entire mm-hmm. time just faith is a mental exercise instead of an embodied experience. Yes, exactly. And that for me, I want that to shift. Mm-hmm. Me too. <sighs> it's a lot of work to undo that. I think white, white intellectualism, white Christian intellectualism has mm-hmm. a real, has a real grasp on many of us, myself included, where you feel mm-hmm. like it has, it has to be up here. Like this is, the truest thing, you know, as opposed to my flesh having this truth, this embodied knowledge and there being wisdom and, you know, the way that my heart races, you know, at a certain moment in time or the way that my I feel pressure in my chest to to realize that there's so much knowledge about the world, about ourselves, about the divine that I think our bodies contain. But of Mm -hmm. course, you know, whiteness capitalism they don't they don't want us they don't want they don't want us in our bodies so they want us exhausted so we don't have time to think about these things Mm -hmm. yes like and so many people are still out here like i remember talking to my mom i think i i've slowly moved my family even though like because like yes we're half mexican but we're we're white passing so like we were all raised white etc uh but my, I think I finally got my brothers on the on the on the living wage train and like unionization train mm-hmm. from just these small things of just like, hey, imagine you. I said, Patrick, like you've got this amazing house, you got this job. I'm just like, that Taco Bell worker has got three kids and no spouse to help them out. Do they need to be working two jobs so that they can pay ch- so they can pay someone else to raise their kids, mm-hmm. or should they work one job so that they can continue to raise their kids? Like. It's just like, wouldn't it be better if someone at the top who's making millions, who's never going to spend all that money in his life, take a little bit of that and just, Mm -hmm. wouldn't that be better? It's these small little things of just like, I mean, like, I've been poor as shit. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm the kind of girl who like sometimes it dips below just on a Wednesday in the the bank Mm -hmm. account. But I also know like what it is to be taken care of by my community. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. There's just... The disconnect, I think, for many people is that, like, I've never had to feel that before Hmm. because of what whiteness has done. Because, like, the only thing I can afford to do right now is to go to work and to wake up and and to pay my bills and Mm -hmm. to figure out how I'm going to do X, Y, Z things. And it keeps us on this hamster wheel. And until we realize, like, that's what they're doing to us Mm -hmm. and make a decision to say, I am going to choose to rest now. I'm going to choose to love myself regardless of what I have done and what I think I should be doing. I think that's the real, mm-hmm. I mean, that for me, that's what the meaning of be transformed by the renewing of your mind means. Mm-hmm. Like 
be transformed by the knowledge that you're do you not know that your bodies are temples baby mm-hmm. of the like how can you worship the divine if your temple is in shambles my god mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is how can you experience the joy and peace that is the presence of love god the universe what the christ if you are constantly in crisis you can't mm-hmm. and that i think is why a i'm so grateful for your work because you you put uh you put words on feelings which is like putting flesh on bones thank you and and that allows people to just like naming the thing is the first part of healing it and you just mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not effortlessly, but like the way I observe it, it is the most beautiful, effortless, just like, here it is. Here, like, here we are. And I'm just so grateful that you, that you chose to start. And I'm grateful for the ways that your book is going to just transform a lot of people, I think, in Thank the best you. way, because we're really learning to hear, how to be in this here flesh, baby. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. It's my pleasure. I won't. <sighs> I'm, yeah, I like you. I think you're cool. I, I've always thought you were cool. I, when you messaged me, I was like, is this real? What's what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is he sure? Is he is he sure? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's just like, it's... I'm just the thing is like when we hang out in real life, which one day I'm sure we will. Like, I'm sure we'll be delightfully underwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just like, oh, you really are just a delight to be around. Let's let's you know, you want to have a smoke? Do you can I get you some whiskey? That's great. <laughs> That's kind of how I live. Yeah. Um, before we hang up, I've got five cues. I'm trying to ask all the humans at the end of the interview. Okay. That kind of just ties it all together. So it's just five easy questions. You ready? Mm-hmm. What is one thing you like about yourself? My writing. Mm. Also, way to go. So many people like feel. I. It's like when singers say, "Oh, I hate my voice." I love singing. <laughs> what? Good. Uh, what's one thing you are super proud of in your life? Um. I'm proud to own land. I never had an imagination for owning land. We own about eight acres. And yeah, it's really special to connect with it, to care for it, really. I try to think Mm -hmm. about it as a caring and a nurturing as opposed to like a ownership. But I I am proud Mm -hmm. of it. I'm proud to be caring for it. That's beautiful. All the way up in Ithaca. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Uh, what is one thing that really pisses you off or is like a pet peeve? Even? Mm. Um, I, this is definitely a pet peeve. Bring it. It's not nice, but I really hate to repeat myself. I can't explain. I cannot explain why. I, I like when my spouse does. When I have to say something again, I'm like, I I've said it so clear. It's really probably some childhood insecurity mm-hmm. shit. But it's like if I say something clear and I've said it, and then someone's like, "What?" But I know they don't actually mean what. They're just trying mm-hmm. to think of something to say. Anyways, 
don't like repeating myself. Mm-hmm. I, I'm there too. I'm just like, are you, are you not comprehending what I'm saying? Or do you not actually understand? Or are you, ju- are you, are you stalling? You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, just like be quiet. If anything, like, <laughs> right. just take it in process and then come back with something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm very, similar, similar. Um, uh, what's one thing you're super dedicated to? Um, or just dedicated. Not even super dedicated. Just dedicated. Regular, regular, oh, dedicated. That's a good dedicated. question. I, I think I'm dedicated. Mm, yeah. I think I'm really dedicated to my sister in this season. The pandemic, mm. I love my sister. Oh, she's like the, the best parts of me. Um, and... Yeah, I, I just feel like the pandemic has brought us close. And I, I, I feel this, um, I feel very protective of her. I'm the younger sister. Mm. And so it's weird to experience this shift of like, I, I feel protection, protective. So, mm. yeah. I love that. I am the third of four sons. Um, and my little brother is, we're only 15 months apart. Oh. So really, we're practically the same age. And I found out recently I've always thought of him as my little brother. He's out there, younger than me. He's he's thirty one years old. He's had a, he has a baby and he, he bought he per, like he's had a job for like ten years now. And I'm out here thinking he's so much younger than me. Like we were talking the other day, and he's like, Kevin, I've always thought of us as like practically the same age. I'm like, really? Because I'm out here thinking you're like way far behind me for some damn reason. Anyways. <laughs> Last cue. What's one thing you want to do before you die? Mm-hmm. I really want to um, create a, some kind of archive. Some kind of um, archive. I want to collect the histories of my family as best we can. Mm-hmm. These stories that everyone has that we're telling. I mean, you see a bit of that in the book, but I'm I'm really energized i'm really just interested in the project project of like collecting stories Mm -hmm. from unlikely places and unlikely unlikely people and recording them so recording their mannerisms and these things that they do um and before i die i would love to have a a, like a meaty kind of collection of family Mm -hmm. stories that can be preserved i love that i fucking love that you're so fucking cool, Co. Cole. Yeah, Cole, Cole, you're so cool. I know some people do call me that, so it didn't feel strange. But um, it, was, it was one of those things where, like, my very southern, like, the omission of the, it's the silent L at the end. Cole. Mm-hmm. It's like it almost like it curls over the top. Yeah. Um, I just uh, I'm I feel very lucky, blessed, and thankful to have had my time with you, and I cannot wait for your book. It's going to be such a sensational thing. When does it come out? And when? where can people find it? And where can humans find you on the internet and give you money and shit? Yes. Um, the book comes out February 22nd. Available anywhere books are sold. That's for- next Tuesday. I know. It's so oh, soon. Sh- um, I put your book in the mail yesterday. So it's coming to you. Um, Can't wait to cry. <laughs> Uh, as far as finding me, you can find me if if you are interested in a Black Prayer project, a Black Liturgy project. You can follow me at Black Liturgies on Instagram. If you just are interested in, in me, at Cole Arthur Riley on Instagram, 
at black liturgists anywhere else yeah well what a time thank you thank you thanks for i'm glad we could do this finally yeah i am That was my conversation with the fabulous, incredible, lovely Cole Arthur Riley, the author of Black Liturgies and This Here Flesh. You can pick up the new book uh, wherever books are sold. Um, go to colearthurriley.com to check out all of her stuff. Follow her at Black Liturgy and Black Liturgist and Cole Arthur Riley across social media. All those things are in the show notes, etc. Um, I think that's all. Like, you know, as per usual, super duper big thanks to all the supporting friends over at the Crowded Table, the spiritual community for all heretics and doubt-filled believers. If you're looking for a place to belong or a place to, you know, start land spiritually so you can figure out where you want to go, it might be the place for you. You can come join us and try it free for seven days. Go to uh, thecrowdedtable.mn.co to join us and... Yeah, it's got a bunch of cool things, including we have a, a really cool Discord channel. It's been popping off for like over a year. There's like 175 people in there. Come hang out with us. We want you to be there. Um, yeah. Oh, oh my God. I can't believe I didn't tell you already. Um, uh, April 2nd in Atlanta, uh, we're having a one-day event. We're, I'm going to call it, the, we're calling it the Crowded Table Gathering. We're going to get together. We're going to share stories. We're going to connect. If you are anywhere on your faith deconstruction journey and you've been wanting to connect with other people from the same world, you want to talk about spirituality or what you've been through or how to do spirituality outside of strict Christianity, my friends, come through. Um, tickets are just $22 right now and uh, prices are going to go up friday at midnight so like it's a really cheap ticket so it means you can come into town and get an airbnb or the hotel or something you can afford to get here it's only 22 dollars again prices are going to go up next week to 33 dollars. so like not even terribly so if you're listening to this late don't worry you don't have to break your bank um so please i want you to come you can go to thekevingarcia.com slash events to get your tickets and i will see you in atlanta on april 2nd i'm so excited i can't believe i didn't say that at the top of the show what's wrong with me uh. <laughs> i'm sorry i made that noise anyways i love you i hope you have a really really lovely day hope you have a great weekend i am about to go on a date with a nice young man so wish me luck everyone i might get a smooch if i'm lucky um, this has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia. Until next time, please take your meds, call your person, shake your ass a little bit, eat something delicious, move your body in a way that feels good. And um, why is my mom calling me right now? This is not fair. All right. I love y'all. Bye. Bye.